Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am one half of your co-hosting team, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. And coming to you from rural Virginia, I'm J.P. Miller. Fast Brackets Nation, today is episode 128. J.P. Miller, 128, we've... uh, Man, it seems like this number is creeping up, but the whole year has crept up on us. I mean, here we are, the Thanksgiving edition of the Fast Brackets podcast. Yeah, it's uh, kind of, it just dawned on me earlier today. I was like, man, this is Thanksgiving week already, and it's starting to get cold, and I'm, I'm not really happy about it. Um, <laughs> I'm getting older, so the, the colder right. weather is not really, I used to just stand it, now I kind of can't. Um, but yeah, we're going into Thanksgiving. Um, a lot of big news getting dropped here lately. Uh, PRI on the horizon, so um, yeah, a lot of great things going on. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Hopefully, all of our listeners have something to be thankful for. It's uh, not always easy, we know that, but uh, hopefully, everybody has something to be thankful for and eats a boatload with their family this weekend. That is my plan, sir. That is my entire plan, and then. And then PRI is, like you mentioned, is coming up on us. So again, please join us if you're going to be in Indianapolis for PRI this year, Friday, 11 a.m. at the Ultimate Awning Booth. Uh, Miles Kuhlmeister will be there. Victoria Beener, host of the Single Cylinder Report, will be there. She's always amazing, so it's good to have uh, her. We'll be happy to be back at the Ultimate Awning Booth. And PRI is just going to be fun, fun, fun this year. So um, excited about all that. You know, we know it's the end of the season, but JP, like we got good stuff coming up here. We do have good stuff. Uh, most definitely. I can't I can't wait till Thanksgiving. Uh, Mrs. Miller got the house smelling good. They're starting to cook some stuff and get ready. Everybody's coming over here. So it'll be it'll be fun doing that. And PRI is always going to be a blast. And uh, also, if you are at PRI, my birthday is like – this week that week too so i'll I'll take in donations or gifts if you want to you know pick me up something i don't i don't i'm not i don't mind (laughs) yeah there's yes uh i mean he he doesn't guys girls he doesn't mind he doesn't mind if you get him something so it's you know that's good if you see him give him give him uh give him some love and uh you know well maybe a christmas cocktail or something birthday cocktail you know there we go always good always i like it i like it now I will say this, though, JP, you 
have been on a great run. Not a good run, an absolutely great run as the co-host of the Fast Brackets podcast. But, and it pains me to do this, but we're going to have to reprimand you. We're going to have to put you on a performance improvement plan, a PIP, if you will. And I think you know exactly why you're getting reprimanded today. I don't know why you're going under double secret probation from here on to the rest of the year. And it's for this little quote you said last episode and i i about fell out of my chair when you said it and i i mean i mean this in all seriousness you you caught me off guard and not in a good way you said that was the toyota that everybody wanted and it blew my mind the toyota that everybody wanted i was like what is this guy talking about how did he get here Who's, how did he fool me into thinking he was J.P. Miller? Um, and so <laughs> what I will say is from from now and, well, for a while, you're on double secret probation, sir. That is not going to fly around these parts. Not at all. I was I was channeling my inner Fast and Furious and speaking to the, the Toyota Supra, but <laughs> I didn't really mean it. Oh, I guess it kind of came out wrong. <laughs> It, it absolutely came out wrong. You're co-host of the most prestigious podcast on the planet covering top sportsman, top dragster, and you drop a line like that, like like you want to spray some NOS. Like it, it about drove me crazy. And for those of you who know, I I have, uh, you know, I'm getting gray hairs on the side of my perfectly coiffed head, and it's um, it, it's giving me more gray hairs. Deal with this. Oh, this whole last two weeks just drove me crazy. So, don't ever let that happen again, please. Do not no, let that happen again. We're not trying to break any welds on the intake and all of that. Man, I'm telling you, brother. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was on the chip after that nonsense last week. I mean, I was on the chip. Anyway, uh, guys, girls, uh, we think we can get through this. We think we can get through this, uh, with, even if JP is on probation. But uh, I, I'm telling you, we have an absolutely great episode for you today. I could not be more excited. We've had some awesome episodes this year. This one may be the best one, and I'll tell you why. First of all, we have on coming on the show Wes Buck from Drag Illustrated talking about the highest uh, dollar to win races in top sportsman top dragster history coming up he is absolutely blowing this thing out of the water and we're going to hear it from the man himself to talk about all the details of it i cannot wait and then on top of that we have your nhra 2023 top dragster world champion vince Mussolino coming on cannot wait to have that dude on because he had and he had a wild run at the end i mean he had an absolute wild run at the end to make sure he locked that down and he got it done cannot be more excited to have those two dudes come on the show so get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show fast brackets nation make your commute clean the shop work on that old heap but metaphorically speaking get your helmet on get strapped in because here we go. All right, as we get in the water box, let's put this thing in. Let's heat this thing up. Let's talk about the hot topic of the day. And we're going to bring on 
none other than the CEO of Drag Illustrated and the promoter of what can only be termed the greatest top sportsman, top dragster event of the century coming up at the World Series Pro Mod. Cannot wait. And uh, welcome to the show once again, Wes Buck. My man, how are you? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me, man. Thank you for the intro there. It's Hell, I'm, I'm I mean, more excited than I was six minutes ago, six minutes ago. So, yeah, it's exciting, buddy. Well, thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming back on. You were last on episode number 15. So if any of our listeners don't know Wes's backstory, don't know exactly how he became an overnight success after 10 <laughs> plus years in the game, then uh, you go back, listen to episode 15. It's really, really good. But Wes, the reason why you're here, sir is to talk about what is driving everybody crazy, and rightfully so. World Series of Pro Mod, 50 GER to win on both the top sportsman and top dragster side to start, and then another 50 stacks for the top sportsman guys to go the full quarter length and quarter mile and go uh, at the pro event the couple weeks before then. I mean, this is massive from a top sportsman, top dragster promotion event massive well thank you man and we think it is too and we think it's high time to be honest i think it's high time in my for what it's worth my two cents are that top sportsman and top dragster are probably the healthiest categories in all of drag racing i mean if you look at the kind of equipment that exists in that community uh the level these guys and gals race at their number i mean i think nearly 300 cars earned points in top sportsmen in nhra competition alone in 2023 i think there were 70 at the pdra finals in virginia a few weeks ago it's just from sea to shining sea top sportsman top dragster they stand proud and like i said it's 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 not just the fact that there's a ton of them it's there's a ton of them and they race in a this is a different, this isn't your dad's bracket racing, right? This is high level sportsman drag racing. And these guys have toter homes, not and not that that's the measure of a racer, but I have to be honest, like on the, pers- the promoter side of the fence, you want your, I see the pits of our events, the pits at the world series of pro mod, the pits at what will be a, another monumental event in the pro superstar shootout that's another part of the show. It's a different act. It's a different stage, so to speak. If the drag strips, uh, the main stage, the pits are stage B and you want it to be representative of an experience. And I, you know, going back to the top sportsman, top dragster contingent, these guys have world-class racing operations. And that is a considerable part of the the puzzle here. So when I was kind of looking at the lay of the land thinking, what would be, you know, a, a solid evolution uh, of the World Series of Pro Mod? What makes sense moving forward? It took me about, I don't know, eight seconds to go <laughs> top sportsman is the fit. Like that, I actually, you know, there's a funny backstory on the top sportsman deal because there was significant interest in 2022 following the announcement of the World Series of Pro Mod that we had back in March, our first trip to Bradenton, Florida. There was significant interest in a top sportsman class for that race, but I, I, I don't think it was a mistake. I don't really look back with any regrets, but I opted not to. My argument at that point, or at least the argument I was making to myself, which is often the case, was I didn't want anything on the property that looked like a pro mod car. I didn't want there to be anything 
that could be mistaken for a pro mod car because I just wanted our show, the, the World Series of Pro Mod competitors, all 61 of them, I wanted them to stand apart from the crowd. I wanted it to be plain as day when, you know, the pro mod cars, who they were, what they drove, I wanted that to stand apart. And I was worried that there would be some confusion, you know, because today's top sportsman car is a, you know, is essentially a pro mod, you know, maybe not as tuned up as not as aggressive, but it's essentially pro modified style equipment. So, but headed into 2024, I've been laboring over what we could add to the program that I felt could match the pro mod show in quality. Um, going back to the equipment involved, you know, stuff that's going to be good to our track and that's going to be reliable and, and not a liability. Uh, and that's no knock at anybody. It's just the, the, it's the reality of this business is that you have to consider those types of things. Like there's, other categories of cars, other drag racing eliminators that are badass, but they, many of them are attached to a high probability of, of, of carnage, right? <laughs> and uh, you, you have to factor that stuff in, right? When you're trying to run one of these shows. So anyways, uh, and lastly, but not at all leastly, is there would be no props pro mod without top sportsmen. I mean, this is where pro modified was born. This is our category's roots. It's just fitting. It makes perfect sense. And when I, when I put that first teaser out and I saw the outpouring of support and my phone starts buzzing and my email inbox is getting hit, beat up, I go, all right, we got to do this. And when, you know, typical drag illustrative fashion, we want to do it bigger and better than anybody's ever done, put our money where our mouth is. And it made sense to put up $50,000, man. And it's, uh, it's really more a reflection of sponsor support and an incredible racer base. Uh, you know, it's no secret. We'll charge a, a, a significant entry fee, but I, I stand by those things. As you guys have heard me say before, uh, Tony, Ro Tony Robbins, I went to a, a deal a long, long time ago and heard him say that uh, when you pay, you pay attention. That's why none of his seminars are free or inexpensive. He makes you pay. And it's not because he's trying to take advantage of anybody, but he wants your full attention. He wants you invested. He wants you to take it seriously. And I treat our races much the same. If you pay, you pay attention and it's going to mean a lot and you're going to promote it and you're going to get behind it and you're going to bring your friends, you're invested and in that. It's a really big part of what we do. Uh, but that purse wouldn't be possible without a whole bunch of badass racers. Uh, Bruce Thrift, uh, has stepped up in a big way to help us. FTI Tour Converters, uh, Paul Lee, Greg Samuel, incredible people that believe in what we're trying to do. And then, you know, a few days later, I'm getting all these texts from top, top dragster guys <laughs> going, hey, don't forget us, you know, <clears throat> just because we don't have door cars doesn't mean we don't want to race for big money. And when I, when I sense the energy of the moment, I thought this really wasn't in the budget, but the budget's already screwed. Let's do it. And... <laughs> We, we made that announcement, and to be honest, this is a little bit of inside baseball, but we hadn't completely decided what we were going to do as far as sportsman categories go at the SCAG Power Equipment Pro Superstar Shootout. We were kind of, a lot of things were getting thrown out there, you know, we, we didn't know which direction we were going to go, and I wanted to put pressure on the group to, to, to throw big money at top sportsmen, because there's, there's kind of two distinct communities of top sportsman racers there are mm. nhra national event and divisional racers that race quarter mile and then there's this whole other world of outlaw eighth mile guys um that you know largely exist i'd say on the east coast but 
two distinct. There's some crossover, not a lot, though. And I, I knew that I would get pressure, and I didn't want to exclude those racers. So it felt to me like an opportunity between the two events, a month apart in Florida, we're going to bring in the best eighth-mile top sportsmen and top dragster racers in the world, and then a month later we're going to do the same thing, and we're going to bring in 32 of the best top sports racers, quarter-mile guys, and kind of cater to, to two distinctly different groups of people, if that makes sense. So over the course of about 30 days in Bradenton, Florida, we're going to give out $100,000 to much-deserving sportsman drag racers, $150,000, I guess. I absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. There's a, there's a pretty significant divide between the guys who want to run quarter mile and the guys who say, um, forget all that 610 nonsense. I am letting this thing loose and, and going yep. as fast as I can in the eighth mile. So um, the way I understand it is that, um, and I guess this is similar setup for both sides. Just one is quarter mile and, and with a 610 cap. Yeah, and the, pretty much. Mile, right? um, yeah, the other one, the 610 cap, we will honor, like I will honor PDRA rules um, for our top sportsman program. Uh, the pro shootout will honor NHRA rules. Um, I don't know if they have, just being 100% transparent, I'm not sure if they've decided if they want to do a chip draw at uh, the pro shoot, superstar shootout, but you know the World Series, man. We're drawing, we're drawing for it all the way to the final. It just adds. I want to do things different. I don't want it to be. If if we wanted it to be just like an NHRA race, we would just do. We would just not do it, right? Because that already exists. <laughs> right. I want it to be something different. I want it to be uh, a unique environment. So we'll chip draw all the way to the final at the Intercontinental Top Sportsman Championship. How do you like that name? I love that. Actually, I think it's yeah, stick. I do. I do like it. I think it. it's gonna stick. You know, I don't, it's just a little, it, for me, it's a little throwback to my pro wrestling fandom. Um, I always knew who had the Intercontinental Championship, Sting or the Heartbreak oh, Kid, uh, Shawn Michaels, or I think at one point in time, Razor Ramon was the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. And it's like, you know, I, I just thought whenever I was laboring over names, because I didn't just want to add the class. You guys maybe noticed that it's something that I want to become a hallmark of drag illustrated events is that you'll never just see super pro right. uh, you'll never just see top sportsmen added to the billing I, I like to create events within an event so we've got the world series of pro mod that this year well excuse me in 2024 will feature the fti intercontinental top sportsman championship the fti intercontinental top dragster championship along with the Pro 10.5 Challenge, very excited about that. We're also going to have the second annual Mountain Motor Pro Stock Invitational. And I think it just, it gives each of those, I want them to be a brand in and of themselves that perhaps at some point in the future, that becomes a standalone endeavor. I don't know what the future holds. I never would have guessed that we'd be running ProMods for $100,000 um, 10 years ago. So to be here now, I'm going, you know what? Each one of these deals need to be built to stand on their own. Um, yeah. at some point in the future. Maybe not. You know, maybe they're always a part of the World Series, and I'd be completely content with that. But I want to do the work to make them all stand stand on their own two feet. No, yeah, so as, I, soon as, as soon as you said that, I, I thought immediately wrestling because I was quite the wrestling <laughs> fan in my younger days, and I was like, man, so I'm, I'm thinking there's going to be a belt involved with this deal or – Oh, yes. I'm going to bring belts. <laughs> so we did belt. We did, we did a belt um, 
we did a belt in Bandemir in, in Denver, Colorado, during the first three years of the World Series of Pro Mod. And I, if, if you guys don't mind, I'll take two seconds sure. here. And just, uh, I can't give enough credit to the Bandemir family for their contribution to this event. Um, they were the ones that came to me. They had heard my idea for an event through a, a friend. Like it was a, it was a conversation that led to another conversation. And I had kind of pitched this dream of doing a invite only super exclusive pro mod race that paid a hundred grand to win. And I had, I'd built out like a rough business model and I'd presented it to like a handful of different track operators, a couple of different promoters, just trying to get someone I, I, I knew it could be done. I truly believed it, but I felt like I needed help. I needed someone that could to learn from because while we had done events and I had managed to track in the past, I, I knew that my experience wasn't going to produce the outcome that I envisioned. And I, and I quickly started like looking for partners, pitching this idea. And the only people to take me serious were Sporty Bandemir uh, and his wife um, and his team in, in Colorado. And they, they said, we will, we want to be a part of this. And they helped make it possible, man. So like we were doing top sportsman for 10 grand out there, top dragster for 10 grand. This is always like, I find it really interesting because I think it's just the nature of social media and the internet. It would seem to me that there's like a world of fans and a world of, of maybe even racers that are completely unaware of the world series of pro mod, like prior to this March, you, like, it's uh, yeah. because we took a couple of years off and COVID and it seems like it's a whole, I mean, pre COVID seems like BC, right? Like everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's, it's so weird. And it's as if people have completely spaced the fact that like, dude, we did this on the quarter mile in HRA rules. Like we've, we've done this before and some of the pieces of the puzzle remain the same today, but I just got to give them guys credit because they're, I've always been uh, cognizant of the contribution and the significance of grassroots racing and sportsman racing to our sport. Like um, God bless all these high level guys and all the pro mod guys and all the top fuel, funny car pro stock guys and all these heroes that we, we look up to and admire, but our sport its backbone. It's lifeblood is sportsman drag racing, you know, guys that are, you know, working real jobs through the week and diving, you know, working after hours on their hot rods and driving after work to a track somewhere. And I wanted, it's always been part of the vision to incorporate sportsman racing. And, and that, that was kind of reiterated to me during my time at Bandemir. Those three years were so impactful and so, I can't really stress it enough. And I just, anytime I'm given the opportunity to to talk about this stuff, which I thank you guys for again, but it's, I always want to make sure we give kudos to those guys because they really helped us lay the foundation for what this has become and treating things with reverence, treating things like they're, you know, uh, you kind of got to act as if, you know, I mean, I think people thought I was crazy when I was throwing around the biggest, richest pro mod drag race in the history of the known universe. They're like, who are you to say that? Blah, blah, blah. Well, why not? Who else is going to say it? Right. right I mean, right, we, we, yeah. we've got to say those things and we've got to treat it that way. And we've got to act like it's the biggest thing that's ever happened because we want, that's the kind of effort, you know, that goes into it. And if you're not treating it that way all the time, you know, there's so many events going on, so many great events. It's real easy to become one of the crowd. Whew. Right. And it's, uh, you got to try hard to stand out, man. You really do. So 
I don't even know what the hell you asked me. No, you you nailed it. You mostly nailed it, I would say. We can go back to talking about (laughs) pro wrestling if you want. No, no, first of all, you're absolutely right. There have been a few people in my life that I cannot thank enough to help me get to where I was. And, you know, what you said about the band mirrors is accurate but necessary as well so that, you know, those – you know, those people who move the process along are really important, even if uh, ultimately has to be moved, you know, someplace else. And, and uh, you know, uh, well, Vic has taken up the the reins quite nobly, right? I mean, that that oh, uh, dude, we, position you know, there is unbelievable. Time cha- yeah, times change, right? And um, it, it's funny because we actually talked about this recording an episode of my podcast earlier today that uh, the West Buck show every Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Central Standard Times on the Drag Illustrated YouTube channel. But um, I'm going to squeeze that plug in. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. But uh, it's like things come and go. I mean, we saw, I mean, Pro Modified was born on the quarter mile, and that was where it lived for a long, long time. And as the cars got faster and more expensive and the equipment more expensive and the, the danger of these cars as they encroached in, and in some cases exceeded 250, 260 miles an hour in the quarter mile, it started to make sense for these eighth mile things to start popping off. And it's like bell bottoms. I mean, quarter mile, then it made this move to eighth mile and now, you know, and then it's quarter mile for a while and then it's back to eighth mile. And I think that's kind of what's happened I'd say that's fairly accurate. It was like quarter mile pro mod was all the rage and then it became an eighth mile thing. And then it went back to quarter mile. Um, And I think now we're seeing the explosion really happen in outlaw eighth mile drag racing. We did those first three world series events, 17, 18 and 19. We ran those quarter mile under NHRA rules because that was, that was kind of the hot part of the pro mod community was the NHRA quarter mile stuff. That's where a lot of the big investments were being made. The big teams were coming out of, that's where a lot of the hitters roamed. Uh, But I I think we're kind of seeing, I don't want to throw shade, you know, I'm not saying that, but the quarter mile thing, I, I think it's so expensive. I think touring across the country, going to these, going to Vegas, going to Epping, going to Bristol, going or going to Bandemir and going you know, to Minnesota in some cases, I mean, it's, that's a big bite for the pro mod contingent, which is comprised of a whole lot of small to medium sized business owners, right. That are taking time away from their business or away from their operation to race. So the eighth mile stuff, I don't know that it, it ever fell all the way off. I think it lost a little bit of its luster, but I mean, we're at a time right now where guys, I think there's probably, I don't want to say, I don't want to be completely wrong, I mean, well, I'll tell you this. By my last count, there are over 200 A-level pro mods in North America, and I would say 90% of them race eighth mile. You know what I mean? And the quarter-mile deal is – I mean, wouldn't you agree that top sportsman, top dragster are kind of much the same? I mean, a lot of the – seems like a lot of the buzz and interest is in eighth mile racing, which – it doesn't seem like it would have been that long ago that I'd have called you crazy if you told me that. But <laughs> right. No, I think you're dead on with that. Yeah, for sure. That's for all the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, that's what people are doing. And they realize that, hey, uh, driving the stripe is still really fast at 180 miles an hour or 190 miles an hour. It doesn't have to be 240 miles an hour to, to drive the stripe. And, uh, you know, it's. For all the reasons you talk about, that's absolutely what we're seeing is that more and more people are going eighth mile. And then once they go eighth mile, they don't necessarily get excited about going quarter mile again. 
Yeah, and it's funny because the quarter mile guys, it's so it's an interesting thing because I know plenty of eighth mile guys that would consider running quarter mile, maybe not in pro mod, but definitely in like top sportsman, top dragster. Mm -hmm. But the quarter mile guys, they're like very, very, very hardcore. Like (laughs) I I literally, I'm not talking about got names you would recognize, names that I could give you right now of people that you would think would race anything anywhere have told me like, man, I'd rather not race than race eight mile. And I'm like, well, I guess different strokes for different folks, man. But I mean, what, what I'm seeing is that extra, the real struggle, especially from like our uh, technical standpoint uh, in a rules making capacity, the quarter miles, the the challenge is all on that back half of the track when the horsepower is showing up. And that's the real challenge is trying to keep, like I, cannot imagine the battle that the NHRA faces trying to keep turbo cars equal with screw blower cars, with oh. slower cars, with pro charger cars. I mean, it is a calamity, but that is a much more manageable, more solvable problem over the eighth mile. I mean, it just, it's, you're not getting down there and just seeing who's got the most steam, uh, you know, and I'm not trying, again, I don't mean to shortchange quarter mile racing, but I love what what seems to be happening on the Outlaw 8th Mile, man. We had 32 cars spread across 600s down there um, in in Bradenton. That level of competition and the fact that all these different makes, models, different power adders, everybody's competitive, all the cars have a chance to win. Uh, I mean, I think you could have probably, number 50 qualifier would win anywhere else they went. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. You know, so it's, it's a it's a really cool thing to see happening, man. And I, yeah, I, honestly, I can't wait to kind of see what happens next. I mean, we've got some really cool announcements. I mean, we've made some big ones, but we've got more, and there's more cool stuff to come. So it's it's an exciting thing, man. Um, what do you guys? Uh, what's what's the buzz you guys are hearing about here? I'm going to interview you. What's uh, <laughs> what you mentioned? JP mentioned at the beginning of the show, like the invite thing. It, it's very polarizing, eh? But it does seem to have people like at least paying attention. Yeah, they're they're definitely paying attention. Um, it, the buzz with all the top sportsman guys is, how do you think he's going to pick them? Who do you think he's going to pick? Have you heard it? Like I've had people asking me, "Have I heard anything?" And I was like, "Nah, I haven't heard anything. Why would I hear anything? I mean, I'm going to hear it when you hear it." <laughs> but yeah, so everybody's kind of an insider, uh, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you can give us a little bit of insight without giving <laughs> giving something away about the process of how you're going to pick, because I think that's what everybody's wondering: like, who are you going to pick? How are you going to pick it? What is it going to be? How is it going to? How fast is it going to be? You know, you know how you know how it is. So, but let's let's set the stage here first. To the, to the process. Let's set the stage here first, though, because Wes, you're gonna invite forty for a thirty-two car field, correct? Yes, sir. On both, yes, sir. on all three of these events yep. that we're talking about. Um, well, so the third event, uh, which would be the Pro Superstar Shootout, yep. they're doing that as a thirty-two car qualified field, but it will be an all-run deal. So it'll be a, a 32 car field. So oh, gotcha. uh, the world series of pro mod, both of those events, yes, 40 cars invited in top dragster, 40 cars invited in top sportsman, um, as has been established, we'll chip draw all the way to the final. Uh, but as far as getting on that list, what I'm really looking at is people that have raced and supported series and bit had a presence. One thing that we've had to kind of be weary of is you do these things and it, there's a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement and you have these guys kind of come out of the woodwork, so to speak, 
that are like, hey, I haven't been running that class in 12 years, but I'll buy a car if you're running for 50 grand. And that is the most flattering and exciting thing. And that's exactly what we're going for, right? That's a good thing. Absolutely. But I have to make sure that the first opportunities are presented to people that are out racing right now. Because what I don't want to do is, you know, spit in the face, so to speak, of some guy that's been touring all over the country and maybe hasn't won every race and maybe he's not you know, dominated or anything, but he's been there. He's been a consistent presence. Maybe he's got first class equipment. Maybe he's got a little bit of name value. I don't know, but I don't want to turn a blind eye to that guy um, so that I can get in somebody from yesteryear. And that's one of the things that we've run into with ProMod, right? Uh, Where there's all these guys that have gone on to do other things and maybe they've moved to another class, but now there's this big money ProMod race and it's invite only. And by God, they want an invite, but we have to make sure that we're we're first and foremost catering to the people that are out supporting series because I, I want the World Series and all the, of the various entities within to contribute to the growth of drag racing. And I feel like if we can create this spectacle event that happens at the beginning of the season <clears throat> that people kind of salivate over all off season and think about and look forward to, I want to create an environment and I think we're very close to it now where people are going, you know what, I'm going to go race more. I'm going to go compete for a championship. I'm going to go do the, do a point series, or I'm going to go out and make, make it, make my presence known so that when they're making invites for the world series or the internet intercontinental championship or whatever, that my phone's ringing. Right. And I, and we're seeing that. I heard that today from Tyler Crossno um, with the PDRA. He said to me, he goes, man, I've had several guys in 2023 say to me that, Hey, I ran a couple of these races, a couple of your races, a couple of those races. But this year I decided to go out and chase points and try to compete for a championship so that I can kind of raise my profile so that maybe I'll get an invite to the world series of ProMod. And again, going back to like my 15 year old self, that that's like, it's overwhelming to me how that feels to hear that, yeah. but that's what I want. That's the, this, this, these events, this event, ha- I want it to contribute to our sport. So that's my goal is to, to get some guys out racing that maybe we're sitting on the sidelines and get some guys going to races more consistently and supporting these other sanctions and series and tracks and events because that because they know they have to in order to be considered. So we're going to obviously, uh, I haven't made this public, so a little bit of news here that we are going to extend championship um, invitations. Uh, we call it an exemption on the pro mod side. Uh, basically, if you're a, a, a series champion, if you want a championship this year, you will automatically be issued an invite to the World Series of Pro Mods. So for instance, we, we invited... Uh, Jason Harris, the PDRA Pro Pro Boost champion, Tommy Franklin, the PDRA Pro Nitrous champion, Ty Tuttero, the NMCA Extreme Pro Mod champion, Keith Haney, the Midwest Drag Racing Series champion, uh, Mike Decker Jr., winner of the Yellow Bullet Nationals, Derek Ward, the Northeast Outlaw Pro Mod Association champion. And so we will do a similar thing with uh, the Intercontinental Top Sportsman and Top Dragster Championships where we will automatically extend an invitation to Donnie Urban, uh, the elite top sportsman champion in the, in the PDRA. We will automatically award one um, to the Midwest Drag Racing Series Top Sportsman Championship. So there's going to be a couple, you know, as we move forward, people will be able to kind of forecast. But honestly, I'm going to be looking at top performers across eight-mile series, people that have 
nice equipment and this is kind of funny kind of not but we have a strict zero tolerance no asshole policy at the uh, drag <laughs> illustrated produced events and to yeah. be honest i think i think we're in a time where somebody needs to say that out loud and i guess i'll be that guy because we're the world has changed a lot and i'm not here saying that we're going to change the world in drag racing but i think good people need to be recognized and rewarded and i think it needs to matter how you treat people i think it needs yeah. to matter how you treat your neighbor i think it needs to matter if you're a if you're a positive part of a community or not and i think we you know none of us here on this call are going to name names right because we're, we're we're good good folks but i want to see like I want to create like the opposite of cancel culture. Like I want people to be rewarded and celebrated for being badass human beings. And I don't care if maybe you didn't have that great of a season this year. If you're a fantastic dude and you race top sportsman, I'm probably going to call you. You know what? I, like, sure. and I know that's probably a really weird way to explain the process, but those things matter. And if I'm going to spend a half million dollars putting on a drag race, I'm going to do it with people I want to be around with people that want to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. Uh, and that those things matter, you know, how you behave, how you treat other racers, um, that, that needs to matter in this world we live in, you know, and that's one of the ways that we protect the world series and make it an event that everybody looks forward to is we're not going to let one bad apple spoil it for everybody. So, um, you know, I'm not, that's no sort of like threat or whatever. It's just a thing that I want people to think about those things. I want people to know that there are people out there paying attention to how you interact with this incredible community that I think we're all blessed to be a part of. I mean, Agreed. all of my favorite people in the world are drag racers and most everything I have, I owe to the sport of drag racing. And I just want I want to do fun things with fun people that that share the vision. And one of the first things that I say to people, and it's not at all confrontational, it's just the truth. Uh, when I extend an invite is I don't want anybody there that doesn't want to be there. So if this is some sort of thing where you're debating it or where you don't totally like this or you're not going to be happy with where you're parked, um, let's just, let's just not do it. You know what I mean? Like no hard feelings. We can all still be friends and we can all still hang right. out and whatnot, but uh, it's really important to have willing participants. And I'm hoping that we're creating an environment. And I think that the people um, that I've talked to that came and were a part of the world series this past spring, I, they may not be able to pinpoint it, but if you felt something in the air, if you felt a different type of environment, it all goes back to the people involved, right? And it's, I had the pits full of incredible human beings that want to see a different future for the sport. And I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to protect that. So um, here's, know, like the, here's the good thing, Wes. To leave out, you know, here, here's the good thing, Wes. Like, if that's the criteria, you can just invite everybody who's got a top sportsman and top dragster car. You know just what? invite everybody you know because you're, it's good people. And you know what? That's it, you're you're right, dude. And that's gonna be the hardest part of this is because I can get 60, 70, 80 deep on one of these lists oh, easy, before you know? I find anybody who doesn't fit the bill. You know, and and that's gonna be the big challenge here. And I, it's actually a great segue because that's one of the hardest things about this whole endeavor. And it's, it, it's, 
it's polarizing. You're going to have people love it or hate it. Um, but it's so necessary because of what you said. I mean, if we were to just say it's 50,000 to win, whoever wants to come, come. Um, and you know what? I'm not ruling. I don't know that I won't do that someday, right? At a different event, at a different time. I'm not sure. And it never say never. And I've learned that uh, never say never uh, the hard way a lot. But I, I don't know that you'd ever film a movie without knowing the cast. I mean, you can't film Ocean's Eleven or whatever without knowing you've got like Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Matt Damon. You got to know, you got to have the right people. And I treat this much the same as I want to know the cast. I, it's an important part of it for me. I want it to be, I want to be able to count on people. Um, and that's a part of it as well is, I mean, are you willing to commit? Are you going to be there come hell or high water? Right. I mean, there's a lot of things, life happens, um, business, all these things are, you know, this is a wild, wild, busy world we live in. Right. And I want people to be committed to coming. And then the second part is I can't ensure a positive experience for everyone when the numbers get so big. I really, our target car count at the World Series is 200. We don't really want to exceed that. We want to be somewhere between that, like 175, 200 cars. I can, you have some padding, you have some room for an oil down, you have some room for some downtime. Um, but even more important than that is that's a mean, that's a manageable group of people. I can have, I, I want to be able to see everybody. I want to be able to shake everybody's hand. I want to be able to meet everybody's kids. I want to be able to meet everybody's wife and, uh, and, and see their car and hang out and, and get to know these people. And when the numbers get like, I tip my cap to NHRA, tip my cap to NMCA and, and PDRA. Oh my goodness. Maybe all these events that draw these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars. Like I think about Indy. Oh my goodness. There, Rex. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there was like, a, like almost a thousand cars on the property or something. And it's like, there's really no way. I don't think for the NHRA to take that many competitors. And here's the thing that you guys know about racers and we all are guilty of this is that like, it's all relative, right? So the guy that spent $5 million, Mike Salinas, he's as committed relatively speaking as the dude with an open trailer and a dually that's borrowed and had to look, get a friend, fill up the truck with gas. Right. I mean, There's it's no all doubt. relative. Right. And you have to be mindful of that. So like the guy, you know, the guy with the open trailer, he's, he's up to his elbows in it just the same way as a top fuel guy or a pro stock guy. And I understand the numbers obviously vary wildly, but it's all relative. And I want to make sure that the guy who rolls in the gate, you know, with a tag trailer and a pickup truck, and I want to be able to provide him the same level of experience that I provide Spencer Hyde, our defending champion, right? Like, and that becomes very hard to do when you get 300, 400, 500 cars on the property. And that's just something I want to avoid. And it's like, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse doing the invite only thing. The, the blessing is all the things that I've just mentioned. The curse is the guy that is like you bump into at PRI and you know <laughs> that he knows that he didn't get invited and right. you know that he knows that he deserved it, but you know that he knows that he's a prick. You know what I mean? Right. Or yeah, you know that those, he yeah. knows that he's notorious about not showing up or yeah. what, whatever, you know, or he's a hundred percent deserving. He just drew the short straw, right? Um, those are the hardest things, 
harder than I imagined they would be. To be honest with you, it was harder than I would I imagined it would be at PRI last year because we started announcing drivers for the World Series of Pro Mod that had been invited, I think, the first week of November last year. Um, we're actually a couple announcements behind right now on drivers looking at last year. But I remember going to PRI about a month after we had made started making announcements, and I'd see these Pro Mod drivers that I knew walk by our booth and just shoot laser beams at me with their eyes, you know? And I'm like, oh man, I hate this. It's so awkward, but. All right, let me let is, me help the is, cause here, Wes, because I, th I think I can. Yeah. All right, our listeners, please, you can send Wes an email. You can give him your resume. You can send him a pic of how shined up your car is. But if you don't make it, let the man be. Just, just let the man be. He's trying very well, it, hard to I put on a great it. event. Be yeah, I appreciate it. And, doing it. Well, yeah. and it's, it's, we had to, this is where it starts. And I try to remind people of that, that oftentimes we're measured against an NHRA that's got 70 years on us. Right. right? And, and oftentimes we're measured against events that have been, you know, that, that are 10 or 15, 20 times a year. You know, we get a couple at bats, one at bat right now. Um, before we got to go do it again a year later. So we we our growth cycle is going to be different than somebody that's having 10 events a year, you know? And so no we're, we're just, we're still learning. We're still growing, trying to keep it a, at a sustainable level. I mean, I think there's enough interest in top dragster and top sportsman that we could do probably a standalone event. Like I, I think that it would stand on its own two feet. Do not but tease us. We just gotta, do not tease us. Yeah, West we, yeah, we just gotta, we just gotta get there, you know? And I would tell people if you didn't, if you don't end up on the invite list there this year, don't take it personally. Like we all know, and there's going to be somebody deserving left out. It's an, it's an unavoidable thing right now. Um, and it, it will probably toward the end of it. I've got a group of guys that I lean on uh, a few of them that, you know, uh, Mike Carpenter from my show, uh, Nate Van Wagen, the editor in chief of the magazine, um, our tech team, John Sears typically has a part of it. Lonnie Grimm, um, Vic Alvarez uh, has taken a real interest in like the technical and the, 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 this other side of the business of this, of our, of this race. So there's, there's a bunch of us that contribute to this conversation. And, but to your point, man, we're open to input. We're open uh, to these type of things. And we're looking for some cool things. Like if we could, if there was putting my pro wrestling hat back on, we've got to lean into opportunities. Like if I can get a couple of big name NHRA guys to come run this race as well, you want to see those worlds collide. Right? And if I can, you know, I want to see the WWF versus the WCW, you know, I want to, if we can create that to some extent, um, I want to create it. But uh, so far, man, the, the feedback and the outpouring of support has been absolutely overwhelming. And I think that as we move forward, we're, we're probably going to have to figure out how to expand it because there's just, I, I said that there was over 200 pro mods in North America. Uh, if you start talking top sportsman cars, I mean, that number gets, I mean, that number is several times over that, right? Oh, so there's, sure. it's, it's an uphill battle, man. But I, uh, I, I appreciate the people that seem to understand. It does seem there's, I've seen some comments on social, like, oh, I'm no way I'm going to be fast enough to get invited. No way my stuff's nice enough to get invited. And I, it, it's, I, I wish it could be that subjective. It's just not though, you know, <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. I and think I'm, uh, we, yeah. 
our our group will understand you're trying to do something really good for the whole sport and you know we will each support it the best we can some of it's going to be by racing in it committing and showing up some people are uh, maybe just get down there and you know buy a ticket and do that thing well we will obviously support it on the show the best we can and we will when anything you need from us we will do because all I have in my head is who's going to be the Rock and Roll Express, who is going to be the Four Horsemen, who's going to be coming out there styling and profiling for the World Intercontinental, well, not the World, Intercontinental Championship. I absolutely love it. And I know that uh, when those cars show up down there, I mean, it's going to be a show. It's going to be an absolute show, Wes. Dude, and, you know, kind of closing comments here, or lastly, I just, I do think that I want to see what I want to see come from this, and I'm trying to think of who is a good example. I want to see this inspire, I want to see somebody win the Intercontinental Top Sportsman Championship, and next year say, hey man, I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I, I want to run ProMod. And you know what, I'll, I'll say, I'll say this right here, right now. Whoever wins the Intercontinental Top Sportsman Championship March 3rd, 2024 at Bradenton Motorsports Park will automatically have the option to be invited into the World Series of Pro Mod. If they want to step their program up, if they want to, if they want to go to the big leagues, we will, I will make that a standing offer because that's the goal, right? That's what Absolutely. we've got to create is an atmosphere yes, where a guy – has some success and goes, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to sell my 903 and me and Rex and JP, we're all going to go in on a new 959 and we're going to run pro mod. You know what I mean? And, and maybe they only run pro mod at that one race and they spend the rest of the year refining their, but I want to create that organic pathway, right? Like, cause that's the special part of pro mod that a lot of people sleep on is that it contributes to the drag racing economy, like in a lot of different ways. Like those cars end up in big dog shootouts. They end up in no prep racing. They end up, you know, top sportsman racing. There's a lot of trickle down from pro mod. Uh, and I, and, and honestly it goes both ways in some regards, but I want to create an environment where there's a clear pathway, right? Like there's levels to this shit where a guy goes out, and crushes it in top sportsman and PDRA next year, whatever, goes down, gets an invite to the World Series, wins the Intercontinental Top Sportsman Championship and goes, you know what, I'm, I'm going to the big show. I want that heavyweight, heavyweight title now. Because then you start getting into the, you know, Ric Flair. He had the heavyweight title and the Intercontinental title, right? Then you get into like Eddie Guerrero and Stone Cold, these guys that had both titles, you know? And I think that that would be a super fun story to kind of develop. So yeah, right here, right now, you win the you win the intercontinental title, you automatically get a shot at the at the the big one. West Buck, we have not done this in a long, long time, but you by simply by breaking the news that you have broke today on this episode, and and by mentioning Ric Flair, you get podcast certified. <laughs> you get podcast certified. Stamp him right now, JP, my man. West Buck can come on anytime. With the podcast certification. So nicely done, sir. I mean, among all the things, you're on a heater right now. You are absolutely on a heater. <laughs> yeah. He is definitely stamped. And 
Everybody knows we always break the news on this show. Yeah, so. we're, we're forever breaking news. Our listeners are cracking up right now because they're going, here it goes again, more breaking news, uh, which is great. But Wes, thank you so, so much for coming on the show, but more so doing what you're doing for these classes. I mean, the the amount of hype, the amount of money, and the, and the quality racing that will be done down there on a, on a good track and in a time where we can highlight it a little bit is so, so good. And uh, I appreciate you for doing what you're doing for the sport. So uh, thank you. And thank you for your time tonight. I know you've got things to do. You've got family time that you've got to get to. And I appreciate you uh, spending a little time with us breaking it down. It's been a pleasure, both of you guys, seriously. Uh, and, and it goes both ways, man. It takes a village, they say, right? And it's going to take every single one of us uh, pulling the rope in the same direction, swimming in the same direction, I like to say. And it's to get this sport where it belongs. I, I saw a quote today, actually, on Drag Illustrated social media that Bill Bader Jr., he said, I believe that drag racing is the last great American motorsport that's actually still in its infancy. And that's something that I say to my team mm. all the time is that for, for a sport that's been around in an organized fashion for seven decades, I believe we're on fertile soil. Like, I don't think these opportunities exist. I don't think this opportunity exists for you. Like with this podcast and these in, in Winlight and all the things that you're doing, it doesn't, it doesn't exist in stick and ball sports. Those, those sports are involved to a point of, of minor refinement, right? There are billion dollar uh, enterprises drag racing's got a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of opportunity here and it's going to take every single one of us. It's going to take, you know, you guys, it's going to take all these great promoters and media members. It's going to take every single one of us to get the job done. So thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate you guys a bunch, man. And uh, let's do this again soon. Y'all, y'all have a lot of fun. Guys, girls, that was the great Wes Buck, if you need him. And be nice. Be nice to him. Be nice with your requests and be nice if you don't get in. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. Guys, girls, with us now from Syracuse, New York, your 2023 NHRA top dragster, world champion, Vince Mussolino. Vince, how are you tonight, my man? I'm very good. Clearly, brother, you are the world champion. You're doing uh, very good, and uh, we are extremely excited to have you on the show with us. Um, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, uh, listen, you earned it. I mean, you earned it. You had a heck of a season. I mean, that's probably an understatement of the year. But um, tell us a little bit something. When you started out this season, did you have any plans, any thoughts about like, hey, this is a goal of mine to win the NHRA Top Dragster World Championship? I would have to say that any year that I start the year, it's never even considered a goal or even a thought due to the amount of traveling and what's required to be, you know, a world champion to uh so I, I would say no. Okay. Um, well, I mean, that's then it, it worked out well. Then, right? You kind of uh, just went and raced and figured it figured it out. Yeah. So you know, we um, we just got hot and it just kept going and just kept continuing to ride it as far as as far as Pomona. 
riding the wave. Well, uh, we will we will get to that wave here in a second. But before we do, can you take us way back and talk about how you got into the sport? Um, you know, what was the first car that uh, you you drove in to go down the uh, you know the drag strip? So my dad uh, had got me into the sport. He had had a top sportsman Corvette, followed by a Firebird. After that, in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, when I turned 16, if you know, he, he had said to me if I wanted to to race, you know, that I needed to spend a year just racing my street car and getting acclimated to, you know, staging and hitting the tree and and doing all that. So I spent a year racing anything that I could get my hands on, mm-hmm. um, whether it was my little S10 Blazer that I had at the time, or if I could borrow somebody's Corvette or anything that I could race. And I spent, I spent a year racing at our, our local racetrack, which is about a mile from my house where I live currently. Oh. I just spend every weekend, you know, every weekend there. Very cool. So, uh, so what was the first real race car then? Like after you got through the probationary period, uh, which JP is on now so, for our show. What was the what was the pro, what was so the first one after that? 19, it would be 1998. We got a 1998. We got a 1988 SMW dragster. Okay. And it had a little 468 in it, and it started by going. 810, 820, and uh, I ran that for just about all of the year. And then we had a, my dad had sold his top sportsman car, and we had a, you know, conventional headed 615 that we put in. And by the end of that first year, I had went 730s, which by today's standards is slow, but back in 1998 was pretty fast then right and it, and it kind of interesting oh, too man. that isn't it kind of interesting that like we say and and you said it in seriousness and i, I i'm with you you just said like kind of a, just a small 468 which is kind of funny um because you know at one time that was a big <laughs> that was a big engine but, right but not not any longer for sure so um yeah, that's uh, all right. So I mean, they sell they sell five forties at Walmart now. Right, right. Yeah. right for sure. Uh, so you get you, you get in the dragster then, and um, and then so that's and so you you stayed in the dragster. Is that this? That's not the same one you drive. Yeah, now. I stayed. No, no, I went from. I had that car for. I'm sorry. Uh, I've had that car for three years, and then we had a 2000 Boss car with a 706-inch motor in it. Mm. And then for some time, we had the Boss car, um, and we used that as like a quick eight top dragster car. And I didn't like just racing the quick eights and top dragsters because it just wasn't enough racing for me. So in 04, I built a um, four-link Miller car, and we had the two cars for a little while, and I think it was maybe 07 or 08. We got rid of the Boss car, and the Miller car was like a 710 car back then, and, you know, I could spray it to go 670s. 
and I kept that car till 11 when I bought a new American car. I kept that one till 13, built another American car, and I kept that one till 17 until, and I think in 18, I bought this race tech that I, you know, I built this race tech that I have now, the one that I won the world championship with. And, um, I still have that car. We have a 21 race tech also that, um, my daughter races in top dragster Mm. uh, with like a little 250 blower on it. And when she's away to college, I bracket race that one. Okay. So what, uh, what power plant do you use now then for, for your top dragster car? For, for my top dragster car, it's a 540 APD motor uh, with an F1R Pro Charger on it. Okay. Yep. And, uh, man, that seems to be a, a pretty healthy combination now, right? I mean, it's, it lives. It, well, uh, mine has mine has the, a small blower in relevance to 99% of the cars out there. They all do the F1X, 112s, the gear drives. Mine's still side sling. Um, okay. Like the fastest mine will go is like 630s, um, where those other ones are all 580 capable. Sure. Yeah. But well, I mean, I still will bracket race mine, you know, at the local bracket race or at local 10 granders or, you know, wherever I want. I, I'll still turn it down and make it go 430s and, and race it on a weekly basis if I need to. So, Blow through setup or is this fuel injected? Yep, blow through. Blow through, okay. All APD stuff, yeah. Um, good combo then, and obviously one you've perfected over the last several years. Um, so, so you get you take that combo. Um, just trying to walk through this here a little bit. You you get hot early, right? You feel like, hey, I've got a good uh, season going here. When at one point did you? kind of think to yourself, hey, I might I may have a shot at this thing. I might have a shot to win this world championship. I mean, that, so, when did that creep in your head? So I, w- I go to the first race, and I lose in the quarterfinals. I win the next race. I go a couple rounds at the clo- race closest to my house because I'm a bonehead and forgot to change the dial in the car from the day before. And I win the next race. So we're like four races, five races in, and I had won three of them. And still at this point, it doesn't cross my mind, and this is the beginning of August. I have not raced any national events. I've just raced those divisionals. And I get people coming up to me telling me, like, hey, you got a, a good shot at the world. I don't even look at the world points. I mean, it's, like I said, it's the end of, or it's the beginning of August, and I have not even hit a national event yet. Anything that is remotely close to me is mostly gone except for one. So I don't give it no thought, you know, until at the end of that third race that I won and I start getting people coming up to me, you know, hey, you got a shot at the world. So I take a look at the points, you know, the national points, which I don't don't look at. And I look, you know, who's leading and I start looking down and, you know, we got down a few spots and um, I seen Clint Geisey who um, ultimately, I mean, we went to the last race together to figure this out. And I looked at his points total, and I said, you know, mine is good, but this guy's is better. He's got, he at the time also had two wins, or three wins. So we both had three, 
but he had two of them <coughs> on the 105 race format because out west they do right. 105 to win where out east we do 95 which I don't agree with I mean but that's for another thing so right. I look at this guy's total and this guy here this guy here is is matched the three that I've already had but with gaining 20 more because of two of them being 105 and right. like he still had a bunch of claims he still had a bunch of claims just as I did and, and I said to everyone, I go, this guy is winning this deal. I go, there's nobody catching him. You know, just being able to win three is amazing in a year. Well, I think I think so, as it as it worked out, right? Like as you go to Vegas, which is a quite a haul from uh, Syracuse, New York. I don't know how many thousand miles. I mean, did you clock that? What's the what's the trip from Vegas? I don't to... even know. <laughs> it's, I know that it's forty six hours. 46 hours my goodness but um as as you're making that trek out there like he actually um was and i forget exactly how this worked out but i mean the way he claimed points i mean he was actually sitting um around ahead of you like you had to go around past him even well, though so, you had extra points right well no so going into so this is at the beginning of august <clears throat> Then we get to the end of August and like, I have not raced anything and the Brainerd national event comes up. He goes and wins Brainerd. Mm-hmm. I'm already in my mind thinking he's already winning this deal without the, without the Brainerd win. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for a national event, which like four hours from my house. I said, you know, let's just at least feel that out and see what happens. So we sign up for the national event in Brainerd or I'm sorry, in Maple Grove. And ironically, I win that. So now we're both matched four wins. You know, with a, we both had a bunch of claims left, but he had two of them on 105. So I, again, you know, I don't have no chance of this. At this point now, we're in the middle of September. The only national events that are even left are Charlotte, which is like 12 hours from me, Dallas, which I don't even know how far it's from me. It was a long ways, and Pomona. So I only have one national and those are the only three that are left. So we go to Charlotte. I get cracked first round. We leave Charlotte and we drive to Richmond, Virginia and leave everything there. We rent a car and drive home for three days to work and come back. And then I win Richmond. So now I'm sitting at five races or five wins He's got four wins, but I only had one national event claim. So I had a buddy of mine who took the car and he left like beginning of October and took the car and his car and we go to Dallas. And uh, looking at the entry list for Dallas, I said to, said to him, I said, I, I can't even qualify for this show. I said, all I can go is, you know, with the weather that it was, was like low 50s. I go, there's... 32, 33, 6, 10 capable cars here. I said, I can't even qualify. So we make the first pass, and I'm like, I went like 651 or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but, and I'm sitting like 26, and I look at everybody below me, and I start looking for plane tickets to go home. I said, I I can't get in the show. I go, if all these cars get down, I'm out. So, I mean, which wasn't, (coughs) not going to say it wasn't 
life altering, but it was probably the key to the season. I'm in the burnout box, the last car to go down, and the car to bump me out is in front of me, and she doesn't get down. She goes like 660, and I'm at 655. So ironically, I make a show that I thought that I was just wasting my time at. I go to the quarterfinals, I pick up 52 points on a full 52. So now we leave and we go to Vegas, and going into Vegas, I had a... I had 609 and he had 597. So I had a little bit more than a round lead, but he was improving on a first round or on a second round loss. I divisionally was, I was um, improving on a third round loss divisionally. Right. Going into Vegas. That's how we got to there. There was a bunch more races in the middle. Um, <laughs> right, but had you had you raced at Vegas before? Never. Nope. So you got nope. to I don't think I had been west of Ohio prior to this. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So um so that was exciting, right? Vegas is a cool track. Jeff Foster does a good job out there as track manager and uh place like, was beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, so do you see Clint then when you're out there? Like he's obviously there too. Did you you go talk to him? And he was out there. Um, he came over to the trailer a couple times. I don't even think I was there yet because I I had flown in. Um, and you know Kenny Moses who had my car said that he had been over a couple times, and I went over to him, you know, and I introduced myself. He introduced himself, and um, you know, we chit chatted a little bit and shook hands. I, you know, I told him good luck. He said the same to me and, um, and we, we raced. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's another one of those things, right? Good dudes in this sport, right? Like he could have, uh, you guys were, you know, at the world championship is a big deal, man. Like, and nobody remembers second place. And so, you know, it, well, and I, you know, like the, in this drag, in this top drags, the world, you know, we're not the Jeff, Jeff Strickland's, we're not the Danny Nelson's we're, two small name people, two small name racers um, that probably before this year, nobody's heard of either one of us. Um, so it, it was cool to come down to, to him and I. Yeah. So remind me now. Okay. So, but you didn't settle it in Vegas, right? You had to go to Pomona's ultimately. No, settle it, right? So I'm like around, you know, a little over around ahead in Vegas we both win first round, but it doesn't make any difference because we're both not, you know, improving till later. Mm-hmm. He wins second round. I drive like an idiot, second round, and take too much stripe and lose. He wins third round, and then he finally goes out fourth round to give him like a six point lead, which would be ultimately a round. Okay. Um, I was so heated up with the way that I drove. I wanted to go home. I was done. I wanted to go home. And I had uh, a couple good racers from this area. Uh, one of them being the, the super, super stock world champion last year of 22. He was like the first phone call. As soon as I get back to the trailer, I'm still complaining and using a lot of words that would go beep on these shows. <laughs> and, and I see the phone ring and I'm like, what does he want now? And, uh, we talked and he, uh, I don't know if I would say talked me off the ledge, 
Because I, I wanted to go home. With as poor as I drove the finish line, um, it was actually a great conversation to have and screwed my head back on in the right direction. And we moved to towards Pomona. Yeah, so I'm so going guessing... Going into Pomona, I am... Oh, God, what? Well, I'm guessing there wasn't... Uh, a few sleepless nights, maybe? I mean, between... You know, you've got a week or so to think through this, right? <clears throat> so I have a week in between. And my brother-in-law is getting married that Wednesday in between Vegas and Pomona. But it's at Zion National Park in Utah. So my family flies out on Sunday. They spend the day with us Sunday. We spend the day in Vegas Monday. We drive, I think it was two, three hours, two hours to Zion for a wedding on Wednesday morning. It's a, it was a sunrise wedding. So we have that. We do this wedding. My wife takes me to the airport so I can be to Pomona on Thursday afternoon, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday afternoon to qualify on Thursday. Well, that worked out well. Worked out ideal. <laughs> and normally I'm or anti, yeah, I was saying normally I'd be anti a uh, sunrise wedding. That seems like way too early to drink and, and dance. But in that case, it worked out really well for you. That was the best wedding and the best time and everything for the whole situ- for the whole situation. I bet. So I even I had bet. to miss the, I had to even miss the, the dinner after it all because I had to fly to Pomona. Yeah. So my wife and kids stayed behind with the rental car, and I hopped on a plane and went to Pomona. That's awesome. That is great stuff. And then so you get to Pomona and you're like, I really need to go one more round. Than Clint, right? To win this thing. That's that's so the we, yeah. Deal. We, so ultimately, well, ultimately, what happens is I collect points around earlier. So if we both win first round, I hop ahead of him by five points. Oh. Okay. So if we both lose first round, he wins the championship. Mm-hmm. If we both lose second round, I win it. Okay. So I, um, I play the the ladder game, and I make the first pass, and I drop early to let everything fall where everything was. And I studied the ladder and I moved around to where I wanted to be. Um, and uh, I'm always the last car to go down the racetrack. It's just, I'm just slow motion. When they call me, <laughs> I usually go take a shower. When they call us up for top tracks, I go take a shower. And I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go up early. I'm gonna try to run whoever I gotta run and win. And either put the pressure on him or he wins. Mm-hmm. So I go up on the first car up there. My opponent doesn't come up until the last. <laughs> so I have to sit in the staging lanes and wait. Oh, geez. So, but the way Pomona was, you couldn't hear what was going on at the racetrack. There were no speakers in the staging lanes. So, I mean, I seen him go up, you know, with whoever he had to run, but I couldn't hear what happened. So I had someone come up to me, um, you know, another, you know, racer from division one and said, Hey, do you want my phone to see what happened? I said, no, I don't, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I said, it doesn't matter. I, I still got to went around, you know, whether he won or lost. So I don't want to see it. And, um, I didn't, and, you know, we went around the corner and raced and 
I did win the round, and when I turned the corner, everyone swarmed to me as if the car was on fire. <laughs> so at that point, I assumed that he had lost the round, <laughs> and, um, and it was over with right there. Uh, that's pretty cool stuff, man. That's very, they didn't make it easy on you, did they? With, uh, not letting you know no. what's going on. And, uh, you could have got, well, I didn't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah. I didn't, I did not want to know. So when you come around the corner and you see everybody going crazy, I mean, what, what's, what's that feel like, Vince? I mean, what, what does that feel like? Cause that you, you've won the world championship it, and I know you said it wasn't your goal, but at the same time, man, very few people. It's everybody's goal, but it wasn't a, it wasn't something that I thought was a goal yep. based on the way that I race. I don't know if that's a lack of better words. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I just turned the corner and I remember IHRA people coming over to me. Um, Kevin Klein Weber was there from Hughes, mm-hmm. um, Ken Moses, who dragged the car out, was out there. And, I mean, I, I wasn't even out of the car yet. And, I mean, they were high fives, and um, it, it was just a, an un, unforgettable moment. I mean, there's no words that could even put into to, – to, to describe it. Yeah, that's... But I will tell you, the night before, there was very minimal to no sleep. <laughs> I can only imagine. Compared to the night after. Was there, was there any thought, and I don't know if this was even possible, was there any thought in your brain that said, what if I just headhunt him a little bit and match up with him first round and get this thing over with? Was that so any thought in your head? That was, that was, it was, but we're both 650 cars. And based on the way that the, you know, because we're drawn on a ladder, yeah, he, I would have to go like 610 to get okay. him. Gotcha. And I don't have that, I don't have that capability. You know, like we're not a side-by-side kind of thing. We're, we're paired up based on where we qualify. Of course. But in fact, I think we even qualified like 25-26. Very interesting. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it's a so, do, I mean, thing. I would have preferred that myself, but it wasn't an option. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, it's the only thing that um, I think would make a world championship cooler is if you ultimately had to line up against the guy that was – you know, next or, you know, uh, next points earner or whatever, and have to beat them head to head. That would be the only thing that would make it cool because everything well, else. You know what? Like, cool. I, would, I would rather put it in my hands right. than hope somebody puts a package on him or somebody puts a package on me. I mean, ultimately, in the first round at Pomona, I believe that we both had the same packages. You know, I think he was like 16, one off or whatever it was. I forgot where I heard on, on something. We both had the same packages. Mine was good for a win. His wasn't. It, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's how racing works sometimes, right? Just how it works? Yeah, you know, like his his opponent first round put an 11 total package on him. Uh, my opponent first round was 11 and 5 under. <laughs> right. So, you know, but we were, we were both on paper. I, mean, I think we were both like 32 pack total. And mine was good and his wasn't. Yeah, sometimes it's better to be lucky and, uh, and good, right? Just it's better to have a little luck on your yeah. side. That's all right. hundred percent. And and I also know that Clint had some touring to do as well. Like he's from Washington. That's not a uh, trip around the corner for him to go to he Vegas. He said it was twenty one hours for him to get to, to Vegas. <laughs> right. So so I I give him a lot of credit too, right? That's that's a haul. 
Sure. But 100%. But you doubled his haul and he had a haul. I mean, and you doubled that to make that work. So, so I say, you know, you earned it a hundred percent from that standpoint. And I mean, we, so like we get back after first round and, you know, he had lost and I'd won and like, you know, I had my family there and, you know, there, we were still celebrating and he was one of the first ones to, to come over. Ah, that's we, great. We shook hands. Um, I felt horrible for him to ha- to have to go through what he's going through, but I wouldn't want to be in his shoes either because I I truly truly felt for it, you know, yeah, for a season long, you know, for a season long deal, you know, and I, I think I had also heard somewhere that they announced when we were at the the banquet, you know, I finished with six hundred and thirty something, thirty one, thirty two points, which was like the highest total ever in top dragster. He finished with like six eighteen, which was the third highest total ever since <laughs> Top Dragster was you know. And ironically, we both have to run into monster years. Right. His six eighteen chances are wins the world championship, you know, nine out of ten years in a row. And ironically we we both have monster years that should both have be considered world champion years. Just Horrible, you know, just sucks that both of them had to be on the same year. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, man, that's yeah, that's tough on his side because he he did he had a an unbelievable year and uh, but you just had a better one at the end of the day. So I mean, congrats to you, you absolutely earned it. No reason to, no reason to feel bad about that, brother. You you won it on the track, you won it on the road, and you won it when it counted at the very last race of the year to earn that. That title, the world championship title, that is uh, really well-deserved, sir. Well-deserved. I appreciate that. So then you got to get back home, right? You're in Pomona. How does, how's this trip back? I mean, is this a straight shot then? I mean, that's uh, essentially you got to do the cannonball run, right? Well, so we're in Pomona and um, Kenny Moses has my car in his trailer. Okay. So I lose in the quarterfinals on Saturday night. It was, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock. I don't know. It was dark. Um, Kenny had lost in second round in his top dragster car. So I asked Kenny, I said, Hey, do you want to come to the banquet? You know, what, what do you want to do? Whatever I have to do to, for you, you know, if, if you want to attend, he goes, no, I want to get going home. Okay. So I go there Sunday morning, we get everything loaded up and he leaves Sunday morning to go home, but I'm still there. So when we first made, all these arrangements to come out, go out there. We never had return flights because we didn't know where we going home Friday night, where we going home Saturday night, where we going home Sunday. We didn't know when we were coming home. Right. So, um, yeah, the car and Kenny and all the rig and everything go home on Sunday morning. It leaves and we leave on Sunday and we go over to, I think it's called Pachango where they have the, the awards band. Yep. For us on Monday night. So we, we headed over there. And then we flew out on Tuesday at noon out of Vegas. So did we you, had to leave. Oops, go ahead. Yeah, so did you put the, the Wally, the World Championship Wally, in a seat next to you on the flight and buckle him in and all that stuff? Or how did how did you get that done? So he's not even here yet. My oh, brother-in-law okay. lives in my brother-in-law lives in LA and he came to the awards. I was going to put it in the trailer 
but the NHRA people said I needed it for the banquet. Okay. So yeah. we, after the banquet, I sent it, I sent it home with my brother-in-law who lives in LA and he shipped it out. Um, he shipped it out last week and it's supposed to be here Wednesday th- sometime at the end of the week. So it, it still hasn't even made it home yet. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, uh, when you get it, um, I'm, I'm sure that's going to find a nice place on the mantle. Cause that is, uh, that is, that is worth polishing up a little bit and showing off. Absolutely. We'll be moving one of the kids pictures over a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and rightfully so. Unless that kid has won a world championship, move him out of the way. Um, Not yet, hopefully. Yeah, um, Vince, thank you so much for coming on. This is, uh, you know, we we followed your trip a little bit um, on the podcast, knowing that it it was really interesting how it shook down. Appreciate you coming on and and giving us the inside scoop on that and. You know, we're going to root like crazy for you next year. Appreciate you. And, um, you know, congrats again. Oh, it's, a, it's a heck of an achievement, brother. Heck of an achievement. Well, thank you very much. Guys, girls, that is your NHRA Top Dragster 2023 World Champion, Vince Mussolino, if you need him. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. For all your high horsepower legal needs, get with Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. JP, this this segment is going to be short and sweet. There were no real events for us to cover over the last two weeks. The season is effectively over. What do you have to say about that? Is there anything to report? Um. Everybody get everything ready for next season. Uh, there's not really a whole lot on the horizon. Uh, PDRA did release their schedule this week, so um, that's out. And, uh, you know, a couple other schedules are out. So everybody get get everything ready for next next year. And um, A little Midwest we'll, bent to it, too. I mean, I like it. Um, I think yeah. they have gone to Michigan. They have gone to Summit before. They're going to Bristol for the first time. So... For all you D three folks, um, it's got a, it's got a little D three action. Three out of the five events um, essentially come to your come to your area, so that that could be interesting. But mostly, yeah, it's time to get the stuff cleaned up, worked on, and get prepped for next year. So, um, in the meantime, if you have legal needs, don't forget to support our sponsor, DragRaceLawyer.com. Oh, let's get out of the groove for just a minute and go to Las Vegas, JP, where the inaugural F1 Vegas on the strip event. I I don't know what it's called, actually. I, I should know what it's called. They've said it a lot. It was easily the most hyped motorsport event in the last, what, seven to eight years? I mean, has there been a bigger hyped event than F1 at Vegas here recently? I don't think so. And I think in a lot of ways it was not great. Is that is that your assumption as well from just reading and hearing all the all the folks? From the things that I heard, they, they had a, a multitude of issues. So um, I guess it just didn't live up to the hype. 
Well, we've said this before. We've we've said this on the show plenty of times is that A, the best part of any motorsport is when it becomes a drag race, right? It always is best when they say, it's a drag race coming down the stretch. Of course, of course, because we have the best form of motorsports. That said, I mean, they had some disasters. First of all, I don't know why someone would pay quite so much to stand on a corner and watch race cars go around the corner, barely being able to read the advertisers on there like they do. I mean, the, the viewing areas were wildly crazy, right? You could barely see what's going on in the action. Secondly, they canceled a whole practice session because a um, sewer drain manhole popped up or something like that so i just it just made me laugh a little bit because we all complain about our local track and how the prep works and i'm like guys even the f1 couldn't figure out track prep um and they had years of planning for this so right maybe we should give our local guys a little bit of a break you know yeah you gotta kind of cut them cut them some slack um they're doing they're doing the best they can and yeah I, and I, I've been guilty of it too, but sometimes you just got to cut the cut the place some slack and you know keep supporting it and and it'll get better. Because um, running them down on on the internet ain't, is not going to help anybody. So right, yeah, that's that's exactly right. But I you know I was kind of hype about this thing at one time, and the more I thought about it, it just kind of I don't know. Like I you know the F one came to Indianapolis at one time. I'm still a little bitter that it's not here. We have the racing capital of the world. We have the one of the greatest tracks of all time. And instead, they blocked off every road, you know, in Vegas and made it just an absolute pain in the rear end for all the Vegas locals. And, uh, you know, just a real problematic from that standpoint for the whole time. So I don't understand the street racing uh, in general terms. I like to go to the track, but... You know, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody's been if you went, if you went to Vegas, please reach out, message us. I wanna I wanna hear a little bit better than me just being uh holding a grudge from F one for five <laughs> years ago. They didn't they didn't bring the right tires to Indy or whatever. What exactly does one that is a Vegas local do on a day to day basis? I thought everybody in Vegas was just visiting. <laughs> Well, somebody's like is, somebody's. I, I mean, I guess somebody people got somebody got to work in the casinos. I guess, but it's a lot of hospitality, right? There's a lot of hospitality. So the the thing I think is great about Vegas is the food is unbelievable off the strip too, because of um, you know people go out there they learn to be great chefs or whatever it might be or great managers of hospitality industry, and then they have kids and they don't you know they kind of get burned out from that thing and then they go start their own deal off the strip and then it's just amazing too so i think the food off the strip is just as good as on the strip and i know nobody will believe me when i say this but i think the food in vegas is probably as good as any city in the united states drop the mic drop the mic jp i said it right there (laughs) Uh, but uh, that said if you if you went to vegas and saw the f1 race I'd, i'd love to hear about it because um uh, most of the reports are average at best i'm sure they'll get better but uh frankly i've taken it off my bucket list (laughs) all right jp miller as we hit the mile per hour cone 
we've, this is, this is different. This is absolutely different, but, um, I, I just think this is really interesting story. So, I mean, this is not drag racing related, but it is racing related. And have you heard JP about Wouter Jan Van Dijk? Have you heard about this dude? I, I have not. Uh, I would wanted I, I would like to call him Walter, but his name is Walter. Um, and my man, this is pretty fascinating stuff. So hang on with me. But my man lives in Australia. For whatever reason, he gets excited about the Baja One Thousand race. All right. So we've all been there. Like we, we get excited about. The problem is he didn't have any. Uh, crew he didn't have a pit or support vehicle anything like that so my man does this right and you know, like all of us would he flies from australia to san diego california where once arriving in san diego he goes to the local dirt bike store and buys himself a dirt bike which then he proceeds to ride 300 miles south to la paz mexico which is where the start of this Baja 1000 takes place. My man, Wouter, shows up. He has completely ruined his tires, completely ruined a sprocket, things like that, on a 300-mile ride with his dirt bike, right? <laughs> so they, they go, uh, you're not going to pass tech. You've got to fix this, fix this, fix this, on a brand-new bike, right? He goes, okay. So... He, again, he has no pit crew. He has no support vehicle. So somehow he gets the parts. The people find out he's made this trip. They help him do it. They replace the tires. They replace the chain, the sprocket, things like that, blah, blah, blah. He passes tech. And then he goes on to ride his dirt bike for the next 1,000 miles and complete the Baja 1,000 and finish in ninth place. Essentially... Anybody who's done this, certainly the first eight people that finished, have a full crew. They have a support vehicle. Anything goes wrong, they've got people fixing the bike. They've got, you know, water bottles, uh, hydration thing. Wooter had nothing. No people supporting him. No support vehicle. And essentially, the way I understand it, like essentially zero dollars in cash on him as well. So it was people... <laughs> that were in the race were going, hey, do you need a sandwich? Would you like a bottle of water? Because you look dehydrated. <laughs> I mean, my man became a Baja orphan for a week or whatever it takes to drive this thousand miles. And essentially everybody on the racetrack supported him and just took care of him for a week because he didn't have anybody else. They were all, anybody else he knew was in Australia across the other side of the world. Is that crazy or is that awesome? I think it's pretty awesome. I mean, I we need to get him if if Buddha, if you're listening, we need to get you on the show because I just want to know <laughs> how did how did you come to the decision to just like that's it's not something you're just sitting around and you go, you know what I'm going to do this weekend? <laughs> well, well, you know, like I've I've always kind of thought like uh, the Cannonball Run would be cool. I've, I've thought about that. I've thought about, you know, some of these drag and drive events would be really cool. I have never once thought about flying onto the other side of the world 
hoping that the dealership has the right bike there for me yeah. to ride through. And I mean, what is he? Whatever he had, he he could probably essentially keep in his backpack. Think about that. I mean, piece. Of, I mean, it's amazing. And in my mind, he's an absolute legend. Yeah, I you gotta give it up for that guy, man. That's that's crazy. Just the like I said, I'd be very interested to know what the thought process was. Just to just to jump up and go and go get a bike and then just ride. I'm like, I don't hate it. I, I do not no. hate it. Walter Jan Van Digic, legend. <laughs> JP Miller, it's time to take the strike. Let's uh, bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the strike. And guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 128. And there it is, the wind lights. What else, JP? What else? Glorious. Glory at the stripe every time. My man. My man. It's so good. It's so good. And you know what? We we did we say it every week, but I mean honestly, we had a great week this week with this episode. We had the great Wes Buck comes on uh, Drag Illustrated and World Series of Pro Mod fame doing it up. I mean, honestly doing what we all want in this these classes. And so uh, I hope we support the heck out of him and make this thing really go crazy, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then and then Vince Mussolino, you're world champion 2023 nhra top dragster world champ so good talking through that how that thing went down i mean that was that was a little nerve-wracking wasn't it oh yeah i, I mean i can imagine his, his stomach and knots uh right. going through that deal and you know like you said with wes everybody just needs to you know support it like and share because we've been talking about this for a while and uh, for years everybody's been saying that th- these classes should be able to have an opportunity to race for better money well here it is folks um, so support right. it right in whatever way you can e- e- if you get picked be able to go if you don't get picked maybe go watch like and share it and as long as we keep the support up man more great things like this will come for our, for our category so I mean we, we're trying to we're, People are trying to make this where it's a no, it's normal for us to be able to run for good money. I love it. Yeah. Um, while you're at it, um, liking, sharing, uh, promoting the good gospel of drag racing, uh, make sure you leave a, a review for us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and, and uh, the Facebook page. Just kind of say something. It helps. I, I don't know why, but it does. You can say anything. It really doesn't matter, but... You probably can talk about the Intercontinental uh, Championship this week. That'd probably be good. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's really good stuff. I'm fired up out there. Um, yes. But definitely comment, like, share, get your friends to do it. Share the show. Um, the more the more it gets out there, the better it is for everybody involved, including the race. I can't say that enough, uh, guys, girls. I hope you enjoyed it. Fast Brackets Nation, keep the rubber side down and travel safe.
Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.